Hi, welcome to Bits of Berlin. I'm Tam. I'm Bodo. And we're back. We took a little bit of a break, but now we're going ahead with the next podcast. And today we are talking to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Lisa is going to talk to us about cryptography. So I guess first off, maybe, what is that? Um, cryptography is, well, basically uh, a way of um, making your communication or hiding your communication um, so that nobody else can like read it or um, receive it other than the person that you really want the message to receive. Mm-hmm. And uh, cryptography, um, yeah, it's been around for quite a, f- yeah, quite a while. Um, the first, yeah, I, I call them maybe algorithms, but it goes like way back into the analog age. Uh, in the Romans, the way they, they, they started to decipher their important war notes, and so that their enemies, even if they captured like the uh, the messengers, they could not read the the, the messages, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. That's basically cryptography. Okay. So how do you um, use cryptography today? So you're encrypting then your emails, I guess. And how does that work? Okay. Um, yeah. For ex- like, Basically, you can encrypt everything that's digital and goes from one point to another. So every, any kind of digital communication. And in the, yeah, for example, email encryption um, today uses... Uh, something we call asymmetric uh, encryption. Um, to understand asymmetric encryption, you need to first understand symmetric encryption. And symmetric encryption um, basically uses one key to um, encrypt your messages. So like you and your communication partner, you agree on some kind of key. This can be like just a word or a sequence of numbers, anything. And then you have an algorithm that... Uh, according to this key, um, deciphers your your message, and um, this has like some well down points, I guess, because you cannot like distribute this password or passphrase or something. And if that passphrase gets stolen, um, like uh, whoever steals it can like read all your communication. So pretty smart people, um, like thirty years ago, I guess it was, um, came up with the concept of. Um, asymmetric encryption where you not only have one key but two keys um, a key pair with, um, and where one key is private and one key is public which is why asymmetric encryption is sometimes called public key encryption mm. um, yeah and those two keys the key pair um, they like can they know of each other they can talk to each other um, but your private key always stays with you um, but you distribute the public key to basically everyone you know and put it somewhere that where everybody can get it. And then comes the trick, which is kind of like the hardest concept to understand at first, is that um, people who want to talk to you use your public key, which is spread everywhere, to encrypt to you. Mm-hmm. And just because you have your own private key, you can decrypt the message. Uh, and I hope this makes sense. Um, and if you, in, in turn, answer to that person, you use the other person's public key mm-hmm. to send the message back, and the other person uses their private key to en- decrypt it. Mm-hmm. Okay. This, this public-private key thing, um, can it work on, on every computer? Is there? Do you need stuff to have to, to do this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
like the the this public private key encryption can happen on like different layers for example an email a pop popular algorithm is the um pgp or gpg um encryption and this can basically run on every computer um you can download the tools for free for mac and windows and i think every linux distribution already has it coming with it and yeah then you just install it and for using it like properly you best use um, Mozilla's Thunderbird with a little extension called Enigmail. And then you're basically good to go. Um, the thing is that, uh, as I think I mentioned, um, this the system is like 30 years old. And for the past 30 years, it was something that only geeks would use because there was no actual need to like encrypt yeah. um, that hard. And since like a few years now, um, there's been a rising demand and like, modern and really super top usable um, email encryption tools. So those are just starting to be developed. And a few are in alpha or beta phases now. And I guess around next or the year after that, we can get like new, super secure um, email encryption tools. So encrypting emails is for everybody now. Is it something then that you suggest like the average person does regardless of whether or not they're super into computers and everything um definitely um setting up encrypted email is not a lot harder than setting up your normal email account like to use with thunderbird or outlook or mail mm -hmm. or whatever um like at crypto party where we like teach uh, people how to use those basic tools we recommend using thunderbird because it's open source software of course and it works best with um yeah encrypting email for example mm -hmm. but why does it matter if my emails are encrypted or not i mean i'm just emailing people about like going to the movies or something like why does it matter i mean i have nothing to hide right so <laughs> yeah right um there's this um like nice little thing that if people say i have nothing to hide then it's like okay then can you please write down your facebook password or your twitter password <laughs> to me <laughs> because if you have nothing to hide i can like take a look around right okay. yeah. <laughs> you, you wouldn't mind <laughs> um yeah uh, that's like the thing um uh, having nothing to hide uh, also says like like you do nothing ever uh basically because everything you do um indicates that you like do something you're a person And doing stuff is part of what we do every day. And sometimes you just don't want other people to know what you're doing. Mm. Um, it's the same as like if you have a conversation and have it in a kitchen, we have it in a private space. Uh, but if there's now a microphone standing next to you on the table and you don't know who's listening through that microphone, mm. it's like it's not private anymore. And even if you're just talking about going to the movies or something, you just wouldn't want other people to know that because it's a private conversation. Mm. And that's basically yeah, the thing that I have or that I want for or my communication that it's um, private. Sure. Basically. Yeah. And um, so the reason why this has to do with Berlin is because Berlin has crypto parties. And uh, Lisa, you go to them a lot. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite a lot. Um, I went to my first crypto party last year in November and found it really interesting because at crypto parties, people who have no idea about anything can learn basic cryptography tools and learn to encrypt 
their emails, how to chat securely, how to encrypt their hard drives and browse anonymously and all that stuff. And it's way too much information for just one evening. So I went there like a couple of times um, until like the organizers asked me if I wouldn't like join the next parties as some from something like a coach or mentor and then also started to like co-organize a few other parties. Mm -hmm. So how does how does crypto party work? Do you have uh, a different topic every time because you said there's hardware encryption and email and stuff like that or how does it work? Um, we basically offer all the topics every time. So if, like people come and say okay, I want to learn about uh, email encryption or um, I have a smartphone, like what can I do with my smartphone? What apps should I use or what smartphone should I buy in the first place? And we usually cover all the topics and just see like directly on the evening where the most, like what people are interested in. And then we usually have like different tables, um, like say that this is the email encryption table and this is the chat encryption table. And then after an hour or two hours, like people can switch, or if they just want to have like a specific question, which um, that yeah that occurs like more and more often that they come and have like a specific question on how to, I don't know, this chat app does not work with the other chat app and st stuff like that. And they just come ask and then stick around for like conversation or for a different topic and yeah, the whole. Yeah, the whole party thing is basically like have a nice atmosphere in which you can talk and learn and yeah, get to know people and know how to protect your communications with that people. And when does it did it start the whole crypto party thing? Um, crypto party is now about two years old. Um, it started in Australia, um, where the government like issued a new law um, that they basically could like look into people's emails, like. Just, just do it legally, and um, was this like? And do you know if this was in response to anything? Like, did something I'm, happen? And they I'm, were like, I'm, now I'm not looking? sure really, but it seems crazy. <laughs> just like now, it's like we're looking at <laughs> your emails. Yeah, but I think it. it's it's not just email, but any kind of communication. So it's just like, oh, I don't know, like any kind of like online communications. Yeah. Okay, but I they can't like open your letters or anything. No. Yeah, it's like the thing that oh no, analog communication is still like secure, yeah. but. <laughs> Hey, uh, your email's not. Yeah, you know, Australia has a really terrorism problem, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's exactly the reason why, like, uh, some Australian hackers said, like, this, this cannot be, and we need to do something. And if they want to look at our emails and the, like, where they're stored in our email servers, um, we can encrypt them. So if they want to look into them, they just get a bunch of random numbers and, and characters and cannot read anything. And yeah. And those hackers say like, okay, because commun communication always needs like two people. They needed to spread their knowledge and the encryption over all their friends and started with the crypto parties, and which is a nice concept and that like took over the world. Mm -hmm. Do you know if the Australian government like noticed or if they had a response to this or how oh. that kind of developed? Um, I don't know really uh, what the response of the government was, but... The little anecdote is that, for example, even Edward Snowden had some crypto parties in his office. Oh, really? Be just before, um, yeah, Shit he went public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's the like the tools we we teach at crypto parties are exactly the tools that um, all the 
whistleblowers used that we know, like Edward Snowden used email encryption the way we teach it with Glenn Greenwald. And um, Chelsea Manning used uh, the chat encryption over a German XMPP server um, for, for his communication or her communication. No. And yeah, so this is like actually stuff that works. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of exciting to think that like you're learning what all of the whistleblowers yeah. used, you know. That's cool. cool. Crypto party went over the world and now you have crypto parties everywhere. So how are how can I create one? How how does it work? Can everyone create a new crypto party? Uh basically yes. Um crypto party is like free for everyone um to join and also to organize. Um on the website cryptoparty.in um you can get like all the information and also um there's a handbook on how the tools work and everything. And I guess every community now has a mailing list. So if you're like not sure where to go or how to start, there's like people helping you out. And uh, for example, here in Berlin, we have uh, we have a really active crypto community right now, and we um, have different spots. I think like we have five monthly crypto parties all located all over Berlin. And there's like sometimes there's even. Um, Uh, venues that want to say like hey we have this this huge space uh, space and we want to have like a crypto party there can you like bring people like, <laughs> yeah sure why not and yeah do you think berlin is one of the more active crypto party cities or is it like this in a lot of places um it's definitely one of the more active ones um like when i started to go to crypto parties um there was only one every two months it was like um one of my like a friend was a was an was an organizer and and we gained more attraction and it was like different people say like okay i can i can have a friend he owns this bar and we want to do crypto party like there once a month as well and mm -hmm. now we're like up to at least crypto party a week mm -hmm. almost and yeah and i guess that berlin has a special place because um i don't know for example kind of important people like Jacob Applebaum, uh, important people, uh, chose Berlin as their like place to be in the world where they like kind of still feel safe from um, their government uh, persecution. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's, yeah. And the hacker scene is quite big. So, sure. Yeah. And Germans are, are like obsessed with privacy and yeah. security anyway. So yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Do you try to reach out to people that need, cryptography more in their jobs like journalists or something like that um kind of so we yeah we like try to to teach people like the basics so like like everybody can uh can use it can learn it um but if we see that like people like journalists for example or, or other people that like should really consider doing this like or using it for their jobs um we like try to connect them to uh other initiatives like technical tech um, who are really like focused on training activists and like uh, yeah making like super secure to do anything like they give uh, give workshops for activists in uh, development countries or like in other Arabian states and um, they really know what what matters it's like in the in the way that we on an evening or maybe even two or three evenings cannot cover yeah. altogether but it's definitely a starting point and if you think like maybe this is important for my job you should drop by and we can give you the context to other people who can get you like very covered mm. yeah. I, i like i don't have any encryption on my um at all okay i don't know how long does it take to set up like encrypted email is it like a five minute thing or is it like a half hour thing um 
Okay, email is like do you okay, I don't know your your email setup, but it's I assume that we start from the very, very beginning. And Gmail. Okay. That's also no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um but you might want to consider changing to a different email <laughs> provider. Uh, no, but um, in that case, I would say like, it's a half an hour thing. It's a half hour thing. Because yeah. I'd have to download like Thunderbird. Thing, yeah. Hey? And then yeah. transfer everything over. Yeah, you just connect to your Gmail through Thunderbird. Okay. And yeah, set up a key pair. And, yeah. Okay. And then we play through all the scenarios. So you can get to know like the, the key workflow. Where do you get the key from people? And how do you give your key to other people? How do you do that? Um, you have uh, two options, like for, for giving your key to other people or the other way. Both. Both. Okay. Um, there's a thing called key servers. Okay. Um, that are yeah, just servers on the internet that communicate with each other and you can um, put your private... Uh, no. Oh, my God. Your public key. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put <laughs> your private no, key like, like anywhere. If they say like you can store your private key here safely, don't do it. Just don't. They're lying. <laughs> Um, you put your public key onto the key server um, and it's connected to your email address and if like people want to like search or check if you have a um, uh, key on your, that email address they just search with your email address and get the key mm -hmm. and the cool thing is that um, those key servers talk to each other and so if you upload it to one you just wait like 10 minutes and it's on every key server on the network oh, Okay. Um, yeah and just download it The other thing is that you can just um, attach it to your email mm -hmm. as yeah attachment. I just like mm -hmm. say, uh, send my public key with that email. Ah, uh, okay. And the other person gets. So that's what I get at the end of the emails. I get from you like this file. No, that's thing. like this. Also, a different thing which I did not mention because it's or more advanced, I guess. Yeah. Um, is that um, you not only encrypt your email but you also sign it. And right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and that's the signature that you can send to someone else even though the other person does not encrypt. Okay. Um, but the signing has the... or basically secures that this email was actually sent and not altered on the way to the recipient. Oh, okay. But if you ha use email encryption and then you email me and I don't have email encryption, yeah. then you are emailing me an unencrypted email? Yeah. Okay, so it's like dangerous for, dangerous for us to talk to each other. Yeah, then. that's okay. why I always try to <laughs> encourage people to use email encryption. Okay. Like, like in a normal conversation, I can only talk to other people if there's another person. And I can only encrypt email if the other person also encrypts email. Mm -hmm. Or in any kind of like encrypted chat or something, does only work if both parties do it. Okay. Do you feel like you have more involved conversations with people over email who also use email encryption or do you not really Definitely. think about it? Oh, really? Yeah. It's like um uh it's like the standard thing of like people asking like oh, do you have like the like I'm sharing on cloud with some other people it's like oh, man, can you can you send me the the password via email? It's like No, because you don't encrypt. <laughs> like like sending an, an password in an encrypted email is kind of fine, but sure. I kind of still wouldn't encourage it too much, okay. though. But it's bad. Okay. And what about you mentioned also at the crypto parties that you talk about like chat, chatting, yeah. and everything? How do you do that encrypted? Then you're talking about like like Gchat, not Gchat, but that type of thing, or Skype or whatever. Is there like okay, or do you mean apps on your phone? Yeah. Or? So um. When we talk about chat, we usually talk about chat uh, with the XMPP or also known as Jabber protocol, mm -hmm. which is a cool 
decentralized system, which has also been around for like, I don't know, 20 years or something. And um, the cool thing is that a lot of people set up their own servers and all the servers can talk to each other. It basically works like email mm. because you have a Gmail account and I don't know, I host my own email, um, but the email servers can still talk to each other because they speak the same protocol. Mm. And the XMPP does basically the same. And the cool thing is that you can like choose a server where you sign up, for example, at the Chaos Computer Club or somewhere else where you trust your source. Mm. And uh, use any kind of like you can choose an email client you can use a chat client um, to connect to that server and talk to other people mm -hmm. and just as like um, pgp encryption is for email there's some um, now it's not exactly the same but a different kind of encryption approach that sets on top of the xmpp protocol which is called otr which stands for off the record message uh, like off the record mm -hmm. um which also uses um which is also encrypting both ways so but it's usually imp implemented in the messenger itself so you don't have to make your keys yourself but the messenger does it for you okay and you like it, it's slightly different because they um, make a new key for each um, conversation so if you close the chat and open it up and connect like try, try to write to the other person you get a new key pair but you don't notice it it's in that way more usable and are there alternatives to skype that are also encrypted so voice chat? Voice thing? chat. Um, that's a good question. And, and also one of the uh, more frequent questions. Um, not yet right now, um, but there's one in development which is called Tox, T-O-X. And they like they promise um, um, they have an, an, an alpha state and you would have to compile the client yourself, but I didn't manage to. And they offer um, fully encrypted peer-to-peer -peer voice messaging also group chats which is interesting wow because there I, I guess there's a reason why this hasn't been here yet <laughs> yeah. and yeah i'm looking forward to that like there's a really a lot of um stuff coming up uh yeah it's exciting so basically lots and lots of hackers saw the news and then tried to fight yeah. back definitely oh man what about like phone apps and stuff Phone apps and stuff. Um, yeah, there are um, some on Android and not so much on iOS. Um, there's a cool group called Open Whisper Systems that started like with the whole um, we need to we need open source apps that encrypt and that we can use on our phones. And they, for example, um, did Redphone, which was one of the first encrypted telephone apps. But we can actually like, call people encrypted. It's it's basically a bit of cheating because um, it only works as, like, of course, both parties use Redphone. Uh -huh. And um, it only works if they have internet connection because then you have like a voice over IP thing. Mm. Yep. And the fallback is like the usual telephone, which is not encrypted. Sure. Um, but there's also a new one coming up, but I forgot the name. Yeah, but it will be around. Mm. And there's also um, Chat Secure, which is um, a secure um, chat client that is, I think, also for iOS and for Android that you can use for the OTR chatting. Mm -hmm. So you can have like a, um, a client on your desktop and use the same account, but with a different client on your phone. Mm, okay. And there's Text Secure, which is encrypted um, text messages, which mm -hmm. is also like the like with the phone. If you have internet connection, you send basically. Um, kind of emails or chat messages and if you don't have internet connection you send a normal um, SMS mm -hmm. and yeah um, you can also use uh, the Tor browser on your phone so 
the Tor browser is a anonymizing network that you can use to chat anon uh, surf anonymously. Mm. And there's also apps only for Android because iOS, I don't know, there is none mm -hmm. um, that you can use to yeah, surf anonymously on your phone. Okay. Is also like Thunderbird available on your phone? Uh, no, but there is uh, something coming up. Tata. Um, it's called MailPile, I guess. They want to also like, um, like the promise of MailPile is to have like a cross-platform um, email client that also encrypts and has the whole um, public-private key management built in and not as an extension. And mm -hmm. I think they also want to do a phone client. Okay. So right now you can only really email people from your computer. Yeah, then. like there there is a workaround with the Android uh, privacy tools and email client called K9. Mm -hmm. But I had major problems setting that up. Okay. Um, yeah, but if you want to try it out, I guess it works somehow. if you could just sort of like drill one thing into people's heads out there about cryptography what would it be <laughs> um do it because <laughs> not doing it is like sending postcards as your main means of communication and everybody can read it and it's super creepy so please encrypt everything you do that's basically it <laughs> okay perfect great cool Thanks, Lisa. Thank you again for letting <laughs> me talk. And now it's time for our events. The first event this week is, of course, a crypto party. Um, the next one happening is taking place on October 29th. That's a Wednesday at Zauer's Cafe. It starts at 7 o'clock and that's at Rosa Luxemburgstrasse 31. And also, if you want to see more information about upcoming crypto parties, you can go to cryptoparty.in slash Berlin. And if you're interested in the Edward Snowden story, there will be a movie release in German cinemas called Citizen 4 and it starts on the 6th of November. The premiere will be on the 5th of November with Laura Poitras in the Kino International in Berlin. And the Halloween is coming up and a really cool event happening in Berlin and around the world, but specifically in Berlin, is the Zombie Walk 2014. Uh, the Zombie Walk is taking place on October 25th, that's Saturday at 5 p.m. And for more information about that, just go to their Facebook page and get dressed up and scare some people. So that's it for this week yeah thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon bye bye, bye.